So Robert's gonna give him that piece of meat. Boy, Rob, how are you, champion? Do you mind if I call you Rob? Oh, absolutely, mate. Nah, no worries at all. Lovely to meet you. This is, uh, yeah, great to chat with you. We, um, our whole family really admire what you're doing. When I told my little fella, Archie, who's 14 in, in nine days, that I was coming to uh, have a chat to you and interview you and, and we'll talk to you, he was like, what? You're kidding, <laughs> really? Man, your name, the family name, the Irwin name, as the whole world, it always comes up in so many conversations. Welcome again to the Fearlessly Australian podcast. I'm Danny Green, and this is a Fearlessly Special. What's so special about it? Well, we have a dead set Aussie legend, a special bloke in Robert Irwin from Australia Zoo. It takes time to find what you want to do, what your calling is, and, and that's fine. Like I know for me, I, I try so many different things. You know, I'm, I'm a surfer, I'm a mountain biker, I've competed with motocross, I do photography, I sort of just try a bunch of different stuff. I'm keen to find out how he's made the most of his opportunities and ended up doing what he loves. Right, let's get into it. I've got a few topics here to talk about, but I guess when, when did you realise what you were particularly passionate about? What age and what was it that you were passionate about? And when did you realise? It's a good question because, you know, for me, I feel very lucky that uh, I've known what I want to do. I've, I've known what my passion is for as long as I can remember. Uh, and, you know, I think it, it'd be hard not to have a, a huge love and, and passion for wildlife and for conservation, you know, when, when you grow up in a zoo. I mean, I, I quite literally have grown up right here at Australia Zoo. It's where we live and work every day. It's, um, I'm living every kid's dream, I think, you know, of, of an evening, you hear the tigers roaring next door, you wake up, you're just getting stuck into work, feeding crocodiles, wrangling snakes. It's just an amazing backyard. Uh, but also having uh, my family around me has, has just been incredible. And you know, my, my mum and dad from a really, really early age uh, always were, were there for me and, and, and pushing me on and, and encouraging me to, to just face life head on. My dad is definitely my biggest inspiration. The amount of passion that he had was just incredible. And I think my earliest memories of, of having a passion for wildlife probably started when I was about, I reckon, two, three years old, that young. Uh, my, my nap time would always fall, you know, around midday. This is when I'm like two years old, around, you know, 12, one o'clock. And uh, I figured out that was when my dad would do the croc shows in our big, you know, big crocoseum, the big auditorium. And I figured that out. And uh, ever since I realized that, I'd be like, nap, I'm not going to sleep. I want to go watch dad feed the crocs. So he'd, he'd take me in there. He, he um, would often hold me in one hand and feed the crocs in the other. Got a little bit controversial there for a, for a minute, but it was good fun. And, um, you know, Having that sort of just being immersed in this world from a young age was, was wonderful. After losing dad, um, I feel like, you know, as I've gotten older, I've really, I've uh, found a passion for continuing that legacy, you know, because he really laid the foundation. He was a pioneer in so many different ways. And uh, it, it is an honor to get to continue that, that passion, that enthusiasm that he had alongside my family. So yeah, it's, um, mate, I'm as passionate as they come, definitely. <laughs> I met your father and it was about 2000, it was way in the early 2000s and I was flying to Los Angeles for a, for a training camp over there from performing on fights and your old man was on the plane and, he, and, and when we both boarded the plane he said, g'day, I said, g'day Steve, how you going? He goes, well g'day Greeny, how you going mate? 
and then we had a chat. It's just like talking to you. And then, um, and then we had a quick chat, and then we, we, the, the plane, um, you know, come to a halt when we, when we got off the plane. I was going to say goodbye, and with 40 hour flight, I was going to say goodbye and all the best, champ. Nice to meet you. I couldn't see where he was. Well, luckily we were in business class, so I couldn't see where he was. And he had a hat and a, and a like a Hawaiian shirt and a full disguise on. He goes, mate. I said, he goes, mate, I've got to wear this because when I get off, it's kind of crazy. So, you know, I just go under the radar. I said, mate, you're the best. It was classic. Mate, I'll tell you, it was, it's, it's funny, you know, the, the car keys were always classic for him, but he, you know, couldn't go out in the world with them. So he actually had a, a disguise he'd wear around the zoo. No one actually knows this. Um, he, his, his alter ego was Glenn Glamour, and he'd get a wig fake teeth and these ridiculous shirts way too big for him and he'd get around on the motorbike and everyone was thinking who's this weirdo getting around on a motorbike around the zoo and that was the only way he could go out anywhere but um no it was classic that's really cool mate nah cool to hear that connection oh man it's it's um it's it's pretty beautiful to talk to you mate and just and see that that real that 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 absolute genuine love for what you have and what you do and and you and you and you don't forget where you come from and you don't take it for granted too mate crocodiles have always been very near and dear to my heart um, i was i was 10 years old when i actually got to feed the, feed a croc for the first time but uh, just just uh, the other day when i turned 18 i, I um got what's called the, uh, the the level 8 certification which is the highest training you can get within crocodiles um, so, I, I, you know, it's, it's something I, it, it's a very, very, very dangerous thing. And Australia Zoo is the only place where you can actually feed a crocodile one-on-one -on -one because Dad created these amazing safety measures. And, and um, you know, he, he always said, oh, I, I can't wait for the day when, when Robert can get in there and feed all the crocs. And so now being an adult, you know, kind of stepping into that role and uh, getting to, to really just get stuck into everything croc-wise is, uh, is, is, is really cool. And it's a, a personal milestone for me. Fear must come into play, and I imagine that your father's just taught you so well and has given you so much knowledge and, and experience, but you must get terrified. What's the fear like when you're faced with a big-ass man-eating croc and wants to eat you, eat you alive? What's that feel like? Oh, mate, oh, it's, it's an indescribable feeling. You would have to be absolutely crazy not to be scared out of your mind feeding a crocodile doesn't matter how long you've been doing it for me i'm i'm what eight years into it i've been around crocodiles since i was literally a month old uh but still you know w when you're in front of a croc that's charging out of the water 100 mile an hour looking you right in the eye with you know three thousand pounds per square inch of jaw pressure those jaws come together you're dead in an instant it's, it's the best feeling. Honestly, it's, it's fear, it's adrenaline, it's this primal kind of instinct, you know? It's that fight or flight sort of thing. And the thing that my dad used to say, he'd always say, every time, every single time you get into enclosure with a croc, check your ego at the door. Because the, the, the minute you start to get a big head, that's, that's when stuff's gonna go wrong. Do you have coping mechanisms, mate, that you, that you used to deal with that? Yeah, it, it, you always are going to have the days where it's just, it's, it's really, really tough. And it's like that in so many different aspects of life. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely the, the days where you just go, oh, what's, what's going on? What's the world come to? And, and, and having that added pressure as, as I think, you know, a young kid growing up, everything that you do is, is, is I mean, it's in the media, it's scrutinised. And so you, you really got to think about, about what you're doing. But I've always found, you know, in, in those tough days, something that, that um, my mum would always do with, with my, my, my sister and I, um, you know, especially 
after losing dad and, and it's, it's, that's a, a really tough thing to go through and it's, it's you know, hard to, to live a childhood without your dad. But she'd always say, the end of every day, especially when it's just been a, a horrible day, you've been through it, you gotta pick. There's, there's three things. What was your favorite part of the day? What are you most looking forward to tomorrow? And what good deed, what good thing did you do? in that day and even if it's been the worst day ever you can find something you can find you know it might be I don't know you had a nice you know had a nice good cup of tea and a nice warm shower and that was just a moment of relaxation in your day you know you can pick that that was one thing that was great in my day and here's what I'm looking forward to the next day and, and if you can do one good thing for someone else you've you've done it you know you've you've done your dash that day and, and you can you can go to sleep feeling good and so I think that's actually been, been a, a very helpful thing. Super simple, doesn't sound like much, but um, it, it really does help. Resilience, you've obviously learned about resilience from a very young age. What do you see as being resilient to you now? At the age of 18, you're a man now. What's resilience yeah. mean to you? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, that, that sort of feeling of resilience, it's, it's about always kind of understanding your, your, your true north, you know, where, where you want to get to, what you want achieve, to achieve in life. And uh, for a lot of young people, you don't find that, you know, it's, it, it, it takes time to find what you want to do, what your calling is, and, and that's fine. Like I know for me, I, I try so many different things, you know, I'm a surfer, I'm a mountain biker, I've competed with motocross, I do photography, I sort of just try a bunch of different stuff. But if you sort of know your true north, where you want to get to, you know, everything else just kind of falls, falls into place and you've got to just keep back keep coming back, keep fighting and, and um, keep to your true north, you know, what, what that path is. But um, yeah, what, what about you, mate? What, what do you find, what do you find that, that spirit of, of, of um, resilience? How do you cultivate that? I never really knew, mate. I, I, I never really thought about it. I guess in yeah. the back of my mind when I had all these injuries, like a lot of broken bones, a lot of career-ending injuries for a long part of my career, particularly early on in my career, I had a lot of really bad injuries that would have prevented most people from continuing. I didn't actually yeah. think oh, I've got to keep going. I just did it, man. I just kept going. And now, now I look yeah. back. I look back now as I'm 48, nearly 49. I look back now and go, this is yeah. what I, I was obviously just, you know, I, I just wanted it so much. Like you've said, yeah. you want to continue that, your father's legacy. And you're your own man now. So you're treading your own path. And for me, I guess I just wanted to have, I wanted to, to just to be successful. So I didn't really think about yeah. it when I was doing it, but I look back now and go, oh, yeah. I must have been really, really driven and focused. I just, the desire to, to succeed was just so strong. So I guess it was, yeah. I think for me, it come down to desire of just nothing yeah. was going to get in my way. True North, like you say, I'm just, yeah. just going to bulldoze my way through this and truck on and yeah. just get it done and win and yeah. if, I, if I lose well then I've tried my best to win but it is what it is. Did you ever think about doing anything else or this was it? Yeah for me I uh, yeah and no, I never woke up one day and thought you know what I'm gonna be an astronaut no <laughs> that never never really came about um, and uh, but I, I will say I feel like I, I have kind of found my own my own way of of uh, of, of being in this in this industry this field of wildlife conservation um, and I, I found my own way of, of kind of finding my own path. My, my mum especially has always been really, really keen. You know, growing up in the public eye is hard enough, but she's always said, you know, I want you to follow your own passions, do what you want to do. You know, 
you gotta, you got to follow your own path. She's always been very encouraging for me to do that. It's never been a question, personally, whether or not I want to continue this work. It's, it's who I am. It's not just what I do. But I've found there's a lot of different ways to do that. So for me, I'm a passionate wildlife photographer. Um, I've kind of got, got a bit of a... I'm an adrenaline junkie, but also very artistic at the same time. So, you know, I, I love um, capturing the world around me through images. Um, and I've been able to spread the word through that. I've, I've uh, made a, a bit of a, a career out of that with galleries that have gone all over the world to spread that conservation message. Um, you know, and I, I've also found a, a real love for, for um, you know, the documentary shoots and everything that we do and, and trying to kind of pioneer a, a, bit of a, a bit of a new path and find my own way. It's hard, you're being eight, you're 18, you're talking to, there'll be other, other 18 year old, 20 year old, 25 year old, 17 year olds. And, and it's an important one for me too, because um, of, of the impact that I know you're gonna have and you've had on so many people, not just in Australia, but around the globe. And you're gonna continue to impact people and it's all positive. It's tough mate being 18, but you're such a positive guy. What's your message to people like that? I'm, I'm in, a, in a, uh, an unusual and fortunate position where I, where I, where I can, reach so many people uh, but yeah I, I think one of my main messages and something that I'm, I'm really passionate about is is the fact that we we all have a voice you know we all have the ability to create change and I, I think that to create you know true change true tr positive change on the planet it takes every single one of us every single one of us and I think we all need to realize particularly young people in this crazy day and age of social media you, you can't listen to people who get you down and you have to always remember that your voice, it, it matters. It absolutely matters and, and you can create that difference. And you've, you've really, you've got to use your voice for good and, and everybody has the ability. And I feel like it's, uh, that, that can be done in so many small ways. You know, we, we've got a really wonderful program where we um, uh, reach out to, to young people, the Visionary Wildlife Warriors program, which is really cool. And, and you know, to a lot of kids, they think, you know, we might encourage a, a backyard cleanup or, or go and clean up your local park or try and connect yourself with nature in some way. Go out and go, go hiking or trying to create a fundraiser to, to help your local vet or, or whatever it might be. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that's, this is just some small thing I'm doing in, in my backyard. But people take notice. People really take notice. If you decide to forge your own path, do something out of the ordinary, try and reconnect yourself with doing something good in your community, people will notice and will will catch on to it. I'll tell you a funny story, mate. Uh, before we go, uh, my, my dad was a, is a, um, a very, very passionate with, with MMA. He was not too bad with his stand-up either. Uh, he, he, was, he was really, really loved it. And um, I, I actually had, this morning, I'm in my, um, in, you know, we've got a dojo set up at, at the zoo and we got all the mats and everything there. And, and um, I hadn't seen it in ages, but at the back of the dojo, Dad had this plaque, right? This, this, this plaque thing that he, that he set up. It was one of his favourite sayings. I'm not sure who it is, but I've seen it before. And, he, and he's got it engraved in metal and he had it up there. And whenever he was rolling and, and, and doing his MMA, he'd always, he'd always look at that. And I remember from a really young age, this saying, and I, I thought it was very applicable today says most men will never know what it feels like to stand in the arena with the taste of blood and sweat in their mouth or experience victory and defeat. This separates them from us. But courage has nothing to do with whether or not we are scared. It's how we respond to that fear that makes us courageous. And I love that quote and I saw it today 
and it was really funny. I just happened to be in the dojo. I looked up at it and I knew I was coming on, on to talk with you and I just thought, kind of meshes perfectly with what we're talking about. There you have it. Robert Irwin on how he's found a sense of purpose and something he loves to do and is committed to, all before he's 18. Clearly, having the right people around him has helped too, and I know he'll continue doing awesome stuff in the future. That's our Fearlessly Special. Catch you all soon. Podcast available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Find out more on fearlesslyaustralian.com.au.